everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that stuff and a whole lot more. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, which I do wish you'd all help me make the number one bestseller in the pregnancy book section. That's There's a lot to read out there, isn't there? And some of it is super good, super cute, super smart, super specific for women who want or need very tailored information or what I see too frequently, super geared to freak you out and make you think that pregnancy is a landmine of danger instead of something that most women can thrive through if given the chance. So that's why I wrote the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, because after a couple of decades working the trenches in labor and delivery as a nurse, I kind of got tired of women coming into labor scared. Scared of us, their healthcare providers, that we'd railroad them into interventions and procedures that they didn't need or want. Scared of their own bodies, that there was something you know inherently wrong and dangerous about them. Scared of the process of labor and birth. Scared of how they'd cope after delivering. You know, scared. So I wrote the book to give women some insider information about what's really going on. Also, I'm a mom and I've given birth a bunch of times and raised a pack of kids. I kind of know my stuff. And what we do here on the pod is we talk to other women who know their stuff and we share with each other. We talk about what it's like in the trenches, living our lives as mothers, as parents, as healthcare providers, as women. I think women owe it to each other to share what we know with each other, you know, to share what we do and who we are as genuinely and as honestly as possible. And we, you know, to help make it possible and maybe even easier for other women and men, parents, mothers, fathers, for everybody else to raise kids in this world today. So this conversation started with the book, which uh, was published a few years ago. And since there was a lot more to talk about, we extended it to this podcast. And now we've been talking for three years. I can't believe it. Do we still have talk stuff to talk about? Yeah, I think so. But I'd sure like to hear from all of you about what you'd like to discuss coming up. I feel like 2019 is going to be a really huge year for women, politics, and parenting. I think it's going to be a really important year. And we should probably talk about that, right? So anyway, excuse me, what's on tap for this week? Well, there are a few pieces of legislation that we want to highlight. Um, Y'all know I'm a big fan of supporting women to support themselves economically, financially, ecologically, culturally, whatever, whatever way we can, because when women have what they need to take charge of their lives, that's what they do. They take charge. So there's this bill I've been advocating for with CARE, the global humanitarian organization that I love so much. Um, And they're asking people to help us get some traction on this bill um, before the end of Congress, you know, in January. This bill supports women in developing countries to take charge of their lives. Um, There's still a a few weeks to push a piece of legislation like this across the line. And it's really, really important. So Please ask your senators, call them, email them, tweet them, tag them, ask them to support the Bipartisan Women's Entrepreneurship and Empowerment Act of 2018. 
to prioritize women's economic empowerment. Every name counts. And to get more information, I want you to go to careaction.org slash W-E-E-E Act. That's the WE Act. Okay, what else? Um, <clears throat> oh my God, I want to give a big shout out and send an awful lot of love and support to Mr. Charles Johnson, who uh, founded the Four Cura for Moms Foundation. Mr. Johnson is the father who brought his completely heartbreaking story of losing his wife in a California hospital uh, for childbirth complications. And he brought that story to Congress this week. There's a video I want you to find over at Now This, where you can watch and hear his testimony. Please go watch it. He talks about what, you know, we've mentioned before here on the podcast, and he, but he just so eloquently put a name, face, and story to the statistics, you know, that that black women are 243 times more likely to die from pregnancy or child-related complications than white women. This father is working with Congress to change that. And you can help by watching his statement and sharing it with your healthcare providers, and then letting your Congress people know that this is an issue that matters to you. Everyone should be talking about this. Okay, what else? Well, I want to read you a really lovely letter. Uh, But first, let's take a real quick break. Okay, so about that letter. It's from a listener, Anu Bular, and here's what she wrote. Hi, Jeannie. I just wanted to say that I love your podcast. It's really been so cathartic to listen to you discuss topics ranging from pregnancy to how current events affects parenting. I am currently a nursing student at an accelerated 16-month Bachelor of Science in Nursing program in Michigan. I'm 25, and I made the switch to nursing after working a few years in research and realized I needed to work directly with patients and enter the world of women's health. My dream is to become a labor and delivery nurse and possibly pursue midwifery after gaining experience as an RN. I was wondering if you had any advice for a recent grad on the hunt for a labor and delivery job or any advice on how a new nurse can navigate and find a place in the birthing world. I would be grateful for any advice you could provide. Thank you for your amazing podcast. It's been personally healing and immensely informative. Warm regards, Anu Bular. Wow. Thank you, Anu. That was just such a lovely email. It really just lifted my spirit. Um, I love this so much. And I get emails from women, you know, kind of a lot asking about how to get into the birth world as a professional. So I thought, let's get Anu to come talk with us on the podcast. I'm going to get her on the line. Hi, Anu. It's Jeannie. How are you? Great. How are you? I am doing really well. We're having a little break in the rain here in Portland, Oregon. Where are you? I'm in uh, Plymouth, Michigan. Um, okay. So we're getting some rain as well. <laughs> That's all though. Just I hear Michigan and I think, you know, f- frigid cold. Oh yeah, it's it's true. <laughs> we We definitely get a lot of snow and hail. <laughs> Yikes. And temperatures that I would be completely dysfunctional at. Yeah. In the the teens and below zero, right? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, but you find comforts like I live off stews and blankets. Mm. So mm. <laughs> cool. Well, Anu, um, let me ask you my first and hardest question. Okay. Who are you, who are you and what do you do? Um, so I am a student nurse. Um, I identify as a feminist. <laughs> um, I'm the daughter of two Indian Ameri- Indian immigrants. Um, and yeah, I really want to see what I can do to help push women's health forward. Um, even if it's working with one patient or many, mm-hmm. um, so that's pretty much me. That's a pretty good description. What do you do when you're not in school? Um, so I love cooking um, and baking, uh, and I love hiking. I like trying to get out of the house and like mm-hmm. near nature as much as possible. It's really great. It re- really clears my head, and I've recently rediscovered yoga. Um, mm. So. I try to do mellow things that are soothing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're kindred spirits, except for about the yoga part. I used to do a lot of yoga, and now for many, many years, I've really intended to do some yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I work it out in the pool, though. I'm a swimmer. So, yeah, I do that. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. Um, you know, I read your letter just before we got you on the line, and I want to thank you for that. It really it lifted my spirits. But I'm curious how you found the podcast. Oh, um, so I am really into podcasts, um, and I so I've before my program, my nursing program, um, which is accelerated, began. I, I, I the reason I went into nursing in the first place was because of women's health. And I was looking for podcasts that talked about pregnancy, that talked about women's health. And, um, I literally, uh, Googled those words and I, and, uh, your podcast was one of the few that popped up and I I thought was really intriguing. And I listened to like an episode and I found it so enjoyable. And I ended up listening to like 10 over the course of like a week. So that's kind of how I found it. Like, well, good. Well, I'm glad that you found us. I think it's great that, um, I mean, I am making a big guess here. You don't have children yet? I don't. No. I really, really, I love it. The word is refreshing, invigorating when younger women who don't have children are already, they already know that they're part of the birth industry and that's the direction they want to go. It's great. I love it. You know, it's people will make this guess that women will find their way into the birth industry because they had children, but that's not really the case. Many, 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 many providers get into it long before. I I knew when I was 12 years old that this was my path. Yeah. about you? I... I don't know. I think I, for a really long time, kind of didn't explore what specifically I was interested in until after I graduated from undergrad. And until then, I kind of did what my parents told me to, which is such a common theme for Indian Americans in this country. Like, parents were like, you're going to go to school, you're going to study science, or you're going to do engineering. And for me, I was always like, found myself whenever I'd hear on the news of like sexual assault cases where like 
the persecutor was never um, called into question or really even persecuted or when I would hear about maternal mortality rates or whenever I'd hear about abortion rights or um, birth control rights or just like women having agency over their bodies, I remember feeling incredibly angry and uh, frustrated. And, you know, after I graduated, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what my next step is. And I kept going back to those things that really energized me, like the work I need to do in this world. And with what demographic do I really want to focus my attention on? And that's kind of how that slowly led me to um, thinking about things that would overlap with that, which included healthcare and included um, ways that I can use my scientific background and then also provide that additional social service. So that's kind of how I fell into like wanting to do labor and delivery and maternal care. And mm-hmm. So did have you been to a birth? Have you seen births? So or had you had you seen births before you started into nursing school? Um so I did see one birth prior and it was um during high school actually. We went to the Dominican Republic for this um it was like a health group and mm-hmm. we went to like a very small clinic where there aren't like a lot of resources. So mm-hmm. You know, there were women who were actively in labor, um, giving birth. And I, I will say that when I did see it at that time, I, I don't think I was fully mature enough to understand what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember feeling like, you know, when um, like, like not really knowing like why they were checking like the crowning and not really knowing like um, the repositioning aspect. And so I was still in like cultural shock of the whole environment. And, mm-hmm. um, and that, that was like the first and only time I've seen it so far until we get into our, probably our labor and delivery or our OB unit, um, which will be in the fall. So. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned. I'm oh, sorry. I've seen it on like video, but that was the only time I saw it in person. All right. Well, that actually is a really great introduction because you probably saw it in its most um, natural setting. You know, there's if there's not a lot of resources, then there's not a lot of intervention. You know? Oh, yeah. There was like, yeah. I don't even, there was not even a doctor. There wasn't a doctor. Yeah. Really. There was yeah. what I thought. I've seen, seen babies born on the other side of that island in Haiti. And mm. Um, even fewer resources. You know, Haiti is the poor side of that island. And what is remarkable is that um, how how effective healthcare providers can be to provide a pretty darn good birth environment if they have just a few resources. You know, don't need a lot, don't need a lot, Um, but a few to make it really effective. And it's amazing what I saw there. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, um, you know, making this switch in your life. You mentioned that you recently switched to nursing school after working in research. And I, I was wondering what, what was that about? And, and how did that, how did you decide specifically that you wanted to do nursing? So, um, that is, uh, was it, so I began working first in anesthesiology, um, doing like kind of public health related research. 
Mm. for a year. I was in the operating room and that was really amazing because I got to see kind of how a hospital functions, well, the OR side of a hospital. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I was, you know, it was amazing. I was like watching like CRNAs, I was watching circulating nurses, I was seeing doctors. So I got to see like everyone's different roles, but I, I don't know. I felt like it wasn't for me. Like I've like, I couldn't see myself exactly in any of those roles, but Mm -hmm. You know, and then around that time, I was like, you know, I need to do something else. And what really kind of changed the game for me was when I started volunteering for a domestic violence shelter in the in the area mm-hmm. near Ypsilanti. It's near Detroit. And it's this really small uh, shelter called Safe House. And they had this opportunity. Um, they do it once a year where they allow people to get trained to be crisis respondents. So mm-hmm. What that basically meant was in a 24-hour period, I would be on call and I'd have a pager and I'd be home. And if there was any case of sexual assault or domestic violence, um, then I would be called into the hospital or a jail setting. And I would basically sit with the patient and the survivor and I'd try to be somebody they could talk to and offer resources about the shelter and help them develop a safety plan. And um, if they didn't understand like how a examination would go, if they wanted an examination, like just be a second person to like help them get more information. Um, And that, that's what really changed the game for me because I was working with sexual assault nurse examiners. I was working with emergency room nurses. um, And one of the most sort of um, most impactful things I experienced was when I was um, working with this young lady who was having an active miscarriage. And I, you know, I was like, I'm pretty, I was 22, you know, never personally had that experience and feeling like this was such like a tragic moment for her. And Mm -hmm. I want to help her, but not really having the experience to kind of fully understand what was happening either Mm -hmm. you know I started looking more and I I was like no this is something I want to be with women in these moments I want to help them if they're you know even if it's something as small as like having a conversation about how to use birth control to like Mm -hmm. they're you know having this tragic experience and like just knowing that they're not alone so You know, and then I, I started researching and a girlfriend of mine was in an accelerated nursing program and she's very much like me and super into women's health. And she was tell, you know, telling me stories about um, her time on the labor and delivery floor. And, and then I learned about midwifery and I never heard of midwifery before. It's just hmm. Hmm. Um, like I, I knew kind of an, a vague idea of midwifery, but I, you know, it's not so prevalent, especially like where I'm at. Um, I think it's becoming more common, but I was like, I can't believe like you could have that role um, as a nurse. And that's really what motivated me to, to go and then apply to nursing school. So that's the sugar part of it. That's that direct patient care, man. Love it. Nothing like it. Mm -hmm. When you can have that actual, you know, you can have those kinds of moments in patients' lives through, you know, just by being kind you know, maybe your nursing moment with them is helping them fill out some paperwork or, you know, explaining a shot that's going to come or, you know, something like that. But it is the compassion and empathy and respect 
for their intelligence and respect for, you know, being willing to adapt your style to meet their needs. That's the sweet spot. Yeah, I love that part. Yeah, yeah. So what do you imagine labor and delivery nursing to be like? Um, so I have a bit of an idea in my head. Um, I feel like it kind of depends on like how um, busy it could be, like in terms of how much time you can spend with each patient. And um, I feel like a lot of it is like you see, you know, women, um, depending on where you work, they might be alone. They might have like their partner with them, their husband or a family member. But if they don't have that sort of support, you kind of become their support. Mm -hmm. And um, I can see it going from moments where it's like incredibly stressful and overwhelming and then to points where there's definitely, I'm sure, real connection. But to be honest, I feel like I'm not going to know until I'm actually like on the floor doing it. Yeah. And and you haven't done your OB rotation yet? Not yet. We're okay. still in med surge. Okay. So for listeners who don't know how this works with nursing school, and I went to nursing school about a million years ago. I don't think it's changed that much, but the way it is, is that you, you know, you, when you're doing your clinicals, which is you're on a, ner- a medical floor actually practicing the skills that you learned in the lab setting or the classroom setting. And it gets um, broken down into chunks. Like maybe you'll do six weeks in med surge and then you'll do six weeks in pediatrics and then, you know, six weeks in labor and delivery. And about right? Is that how you're doing it? Yep. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So then you get this little six week immersive experience as a student. So you don't get to, you know, do a lot, but you get to see a lot. And you get you generally teamed up with um, you know another nurse who's been on the job a long time and knows how to do it. And you get to shadow, you get to see how everything is done. Maybe you get to do some vital signs and a little bit of interviewing, and maybe you get to do a few little bit more than that. But it's it's just like jump jump in and watch how we do it. Right? Is that yeah. how it's been? Oh, that's exactly what it's been like. And yeah, yeah. Um, I. In the beginning, I'm like, wow, I'm going to like get in my first nursing job and I'm not going to know anything. Like, I'm, it's really right. like nerve wracking when I think about that. But I think it's one of those things that I'm not like, you know, I have to really invest time in and try to ask questions and utilize clinical as best as I can. Well, yes. And nobody expects a brand new nurse to know anything. We know where you've been and what you've seen and what you've done. We understand we know. And they, we are invested. I mean, I mean, there's a few, you know, bad apples out there, but almost all nurses that work in the hospital are really invested in knowing that the next generation of fresh brand new nurses are solid, know how to do their stuff. And, you know, m- mostly everyone there is to help you. So don't have that expectation that you have to know it all or learn it all in clinicals because there's no freaking way you could. And we know that. So what you do is as a brand new nurse, you know, you're on a floor and people are going to be watching out for you and you're probably going to get a somewhat lighter than normal load so that you figure out the flow. You figure out what you have to do. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so comforting to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a lot to learn. (laughs) Sure. Sure. And I think that, you know, in nursing school, maybe... 
Or maybe when you're a student nurse, you kind of get the impression that maybe other nurses aren't really all that into sharing their information or they don't want to help you or, but mostly no, no, you know, (laughs) mostly nurses are on the job because they have a big heart and they know that we need fresh people to come in and help us, help us, you know, invigorate our own long-term practices. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually had a, a question for you about your experience because I know you you have years and years of experience. Um, I know so many. I I a little bit old. <laughs> That's your question. I guess like if you had to do it all over again, would you do it? Yeah. Oh hell yes. Yes yes yes. I would absolutely do it again. I would not change anything except for one thing, and that would be that I would have gone further with my degree. Um, At the time, I went to LA County, USC, uh, LA County, USC Medical Center School of Nursing. It was a county-based nursing school. And um, during the time that I went there, you know, it wasn't university-based. It was based at LA County Hospital, which had, you know, a, a huge influx of of um, a huge patient population. And we did our clinicals and our uh, classroom. Everything was done there on the LA County Hospital campus. And I always kind of, I've, I've joked about this that I don't know if it's still the case or if this show is even on, but back when I was working as a nurse there, um, General Hospital was the big soap opera. I mean, it was huge during the 80s, huge. And as the credits, the opening credits would come up, they'd have this picture of this big hospital. Well, that was LA County Hospital. And that was where I was going to nursing school and working. It was so much fun. (laughs) Well, I guess like what I'm very curious about is how you feel like the birth world and how labor and delivery nursing even like how you think it's going to change you in like the future. I mean, like, because oh, I know it's probably yeah. quite a bit, like, yeah. since you started. Yeah, yeah. It um, it has changed a lot over the last 20, 25 years. Um, and I think that it is in the process of changing again and actually kind of going back to where I think our goal is to kind of go back to where we were in the birth world in hospitals when we started. Um, or when I started, I started working hard in labor and delivery units, you know, from about 1987, you know, on and working full time by about 1990. And at that time, we, we were able to do really, really good patient care. There was a lot of charting, but it wasn't so much computerized. It was more, um, you know, paper charting. So we were not as distracted by as much technology. We also didn't do anywhere near as many inductions or C-sections. And we actually were working hard towards industry standards to keep our C-section rates really, really low. And then over the 90s and early 2000s, things really, really changed and inductions became more popular. Vaginal births after cesareans were no longer done. And um, bit by bit, you know, C-section rates started climbing, climbing, climbing. And as you probably know now, you know, we're at a third of 
um, U.S. births are by C-section and it's gotten to be real, real dangerous. Um, So it's changed. And the fact that right now there is so much focus on, you know, what has happened and the dangers that have come from that is where I see things really starting to turn around. And I think that as a new nurse, you might be coming into this industry, you know, at the point where there's a big arc towards improvement. And I think that feminism plays a big part. I think that the economy plays a big part. I think that women are at a point right now where they're really willing to say what they want and recognizing that they need to have more agency and power in their own birth experiences than they've been led to believe. So yeah, I think things have changed. I think you're coming into it at a real good time. That's really great to hear because, um, you know, I've, I've been following up, up, well, before school, I was a lot more, it's harder now, but, um, just like, you know, C-section rates and, you know, we have one of the highest maternal mortality rates of the developed world. Like yeah. Saudi Arabia is doing better than us yeah. when it comes to birth outcomes for both mom and baby. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know that it's a very complicated history involved with C-sections and the professionalization of obstetrics and mm-hmm. kind of the pushing away of midwives, you know, like um, yeah. the history of it all. Um, is quite ugly, but it's good to know from an, especially from an expert that there is promise, a promising future to kind of turn that around. Well, I think that it's going to be young women like yourself who are going to be new in the industry to make some of those changes move forward. Now, I never, I never recommend to new nurses that they try to make big changes right away because you won't be respected. And, um, but, you know, as you, as you become, you know, more seasoned and you understand how to do your job and how to do it well, um, you have more influence and you can do it, as you mentioned, on a patient to patient basis, you can do it on a nurse to nurse basis. If there are things that, that are standard of care on the unit that you're working at that, you know, are too old school and old fashioned, well then, you know what? you will have the resources and the, um, you know, sort of the ability to bring that up. It won't be easy. New- mm-hmm. Nurses don't necessarily have the authority to make change that they should. And young new nurses have even less authority, but there's power, there's enthusiasm, there's, you know, the fact that you're young and you know, things that older nurses don't. So you've got a job to do here. Nurses always do. Yeah. Yeah. So in your letter, um, I think you, and, and I think earlier you mentioned that you eventually might want to be a midwife. So are you thinking about, you know, like certified nurse midwifery and hospital based or home based or birth center based? What are you thinking? I, I'm still really unsure because I feel like I need so much more experience to kind of see what outcomes look like um, for those situations. But I, I know I want to go continue to school with my education. Um, Definitely not. I have some friends who want to go straight through this program to NP school or Mm -hmm. midwifery school, but I just feel like there's too much to learn just 
as an RN to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really want to make my great, the greatest impact as I can um, to as many women. So I was looking into uh, possibly considering a program that is certified nurse midwifery combined with a general women's health nurse practitioner degree. Ooh, so that that's can, a good one. Yeah. So Georgetown, I've researched, have a, has a program where um, you can do it online. But the tricky part is you do have to find your own clinicals. Mm-hmm. And But you can get certified in both. So you can become a midwife and a women's health nurse practitioner so that I can work. I can kind of move from the hospital, but also to a general clinic as well. Right. right. Um, or a private practice. Or private practice. Yeah. And I I do want to do international work. <laughs> I have a mm-hmm. lot of mm-hmm. goals, but um, oh, good. You're young. Yeah, and so like my parents are from India, and where they're from in Punjab, which is in the north, it's right on the border between Pakistan and India. Like um, maternal care, women's health there, it's it's negligent. There's really no services, mm-hmm. and I would like to one day be able to go back and provide those services to the women in, in my parents' community, mm-hmm. um, along with also working in the States. So I, I, I want to be able to kind of put my feet in different things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You sound like you have a really good plan. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So you also asked in your letter um, something about, you know, how, how do you go ahead and get, how do you get an L&D job, a labor and delivery job? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's probably harder now than it used to be because I, I think it's more competitive um, to get into labor and delivery or maternal health postgraduate training programs. Um, it's especially hard for new grads. And I bet that um, unless you apply for programs in a, you know, in an area or a clinical setting that has a really, really deep need for providers, it, it can be pretty competitive. Um but I think that is a way to maybe go. And it sounds like you might be a good candidate for that to look at, you know, public hospitals, county hospitals, or even private hospitals that take a lot of Medicare patients and you know, check them out and see what kind of training programs they do offer um, to train you to do labor and delivery. It, it's specialized work and you have to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. It takes a few months to learn just the basic, basic skills of how to be responsible for, you know, a mother and a baby throughout the whole birth process. Um, back in the day, you kind of got tossed in the pond and nurses mentored you and you learned a little bit at a time. But fortunately, now it's more formalized. And I think that's a good thing. Um I think what a lot of people do is they get out of nursing school and they get a postpartum nursing job. Um, mm. You are labor and delivery adjacent. You're working with women. You're teaching them how to take care of themselves immediately after birth and how to take care of their babies, how to breastfeed. You're setting them up for success when they go home. Um, and and you're, you're in the business. You've gotten your foot in the door. And you have a lot of interaction with nurses in the labor and delivery department and the nursery departments. So you get to know each other. And then once they get to know you, you have an edge when training opportunities come up. Um, You know, like the hospitals that I worked at, they would often have training programs 
like every year or so. And a dozen or more RNs would be selected. And it did take place over several months. Um, there'd be similar to nursing school, a kind of a, a breakup of classroom um, and clinical training. And there'd be then there'd be a mentorship where new trainees would work the floor under supervision of another nurse. And then when jobs opened up, they'd be eligible to apply. And okay. positions usually open up for new grads on nights, like say 7P to 7A. So, you know, it's, it's not for the weak and weary. Yeah. 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 Also, you know, there's something really to be said about maybe shooting for an accelerated C certified nurse midwifery program as soon as possible, because I have a feeling that's where the work will be. And, mm. um, you know, especially because we're at this sort of crisis point in the industry where there are huge chunks of the country where women have to drive for hours to get any kind of maternal health care. And what what is coming to the forefront as really the biggest solution is train and hire midwives pay them well, make it possible for them to live a good life um, at a good living in these areas and put them to work. They'll change it. They'll fix it. So yeah, that's that's really exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. There's a huge need. There's a lot of promise here. There's people are recognizing the potential of midwifery to really solve the American problem. Um, And you have a lot more autonomy and authority. It it's a good it's a good gig to have. Yeah. Yeah. So um what else do you want to talk about before we wrap things up today? Um that's honestly was super helpful because I, you know, I've been kind of sitting here and it's amazing to me because my uh the director of my accelerated nursing program is a certified nurse midwife. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, she was kind of telling our class and she was she was like saying that like she really does also feel like you know the advanced practice nurse like the nurse midwife like can make the greatest impact on maternal mortality and just providing that care which you know to be honest like is part of why I I really wanted to do nursing because I just found this place to really grow and learn and yeah go back to school and and get further training yeah um but would you recommend like not having any, like not we're even working as a labor and delivery nurse and applying straight to um, like a accelerated nurse midwifery program? Or would you say like X number of years should be, you know, essential? Well, or- I have, I don't think I can give you a either or answer. I think that um, there are, a lot of really good opportunities for women to enter into the midwifery profession that don't necessarily involve nursing. Um, And I think that it's really great that that opportunity is available for women because that means women who come from all different kinds of backgrounds can come in and get a really refined, really thorough, complete midwifery training program that makes them eligible to work in all birth settings, including hospitals. The difference between the certified nurse midwife and the... And a certified practical midwife. Yeah. It's just that, you know, they're getting the same program. They're getting the same information. They're just not not coming at it necessarily from the nursing viewpoint. Okay. So 
is that a disadvantage? Well, maybe yes, maybe no. It could be a disadvantage if, you know, there really aren't any opportunities for you to get into labor and delivery. You know, if if you don't, if you can't find a labor and delivery training program, then maybe it's not that great to put in a couple of years as a med surge nurse if it's kind of just putting you on pause from being where you really want to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I've been feeling that already where it's like, no, I know I want to do women's health. Yeah. Like- yeah. Um, the other thing is that, you know, the the pro side, the, the positive side about doing labor and delivery nursing is that you are really in it. You're really in it. You want to talk about patient care. You're there from the moment, you know, they walk in the room or you walk in their room. <coughs> Excuse me. It's intimate. It's personal. It's challenging. It's physical. It's mental. It's an all around total job that I cannot speak highly enough of. So if you ended up doing that, you wouldn't regret it. You'd love your job. It's a great, great job. Um, there are many parts about it that I complain about or that I think are not great. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the medical legal side of it, the, um, you know, the malpractice side of it, the, the fear that nurses work under, uh, especially maybe in high liability areas like labor and delivery of being sued. Um, those are some of the, some of the downsides. Yeah. And still, it's a really good job. It's a really good job. You'll also make more money, though, if you go on and get a CNM or a nurse practitioner. You'll just make a higher rate of pay and you'll have more autonomy and authority. As it is, you know, the further you get along in your education, the more power you get. Yeah. And yeah. I've, I've, I've kind of found that, like, even with clinicals, like, you know, seeing these amazing nurses who been at it for decades really know what they're doing. And right seeing them kind of like not be able to fully get that autonomy without, you know, going back to school. And right. that definitely got my wheels rolling yeah. for thinking about grad programs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, you know, which kind of got back to what did I, what would I have done differently? I, I actually wouldn't have done anything differently because every woman's life rolls out the way it rolls out and going back to school and getting a more advanced degree just wasn't going to happen when combined with raising a big family. Couldn't be, couldn't happen for me at that time. Um, but what it did do is it opened up opportunities for me to do other types of work like, you know, other avenues of women's health and then getting into global maternal health and getting into writing and getting into advocacy. You know, it all kind of it opens the right doors at the right time. And nursing, going into nursing is a great avenue to do just about anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to ask you a couple kind of wrapping it up questions. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that. It's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, uh Nobody ever told me that, like, could it be anything? Anything. Anything. Oh, oh, nobody ever told me that um, how much you have to advocate for yourself 
in the world as a woman. Yeah, we don't like to spread the word. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to scare the youngins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but now that Thank you've found you. out, yeah, now, now that you're on to us, what have you learned about advocating for yourself? Uh, so that actually, so I've been reading this book by Rebecca Traster called um, Mad and Good. Uh-huh. And it kind of got me thinking like about how, you know, the situations where you feel angry, you know, some injustice either to you or to someone else and you're just angry, but you bottle it up and you don't want to like upset anyone. Yeah. You know, I'm just realizing like, no, because you you need to say something because like everyone bottles it up. And mm-hmm. if everyone bottles it up, it comes out in a way that isn't always healthy. So, yeah. 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 It's good that you're learning this. To me, 25 seems really, really young, um, but it's kind of this perfect point in life where you're not really all that young, but you're still learning and malleable and flexible. And still at this ability in your life to be able to, you're kind of at the best time of your life to make directional choices about what you want to do. Because you're not that young, but you're not very old. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So my last question, you get to answer it any way you want. Where are you in the world of motherhood? I am currently... um not trying to have a child, but definitely get the urge to have a child frequently. I'll be at like a department store and see toddlers clothing and just get really excited. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I have, uh, I've been with my boyfriend for seven years now. He wants kids. I want kids. They're definitely in my future, but probably not until I get more education. Yeah. Yeah. Good plan. Good plan. Cause I tell you what, it's hard to do that education thing. Once you got the kids, they keep yeah. you real busy. And before you know it, and you're thinking about, Oh yeah, you know, get back to college. It's their college time. It's not yours. Yeah. 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 Well, Anu, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you and I'll be, I'll be interested to hear how things roll out for you down the road interested in what your career turns out to be so keep in touch with us okay i definitely will thank you for your time oh my pleasure we'll talk again sounds good bye -bye. mama said there'll be days like this there'll be days like this mama said our guest today was anu bular you can learn more about me this podcast and the work I do over at jeanfaulkner.com. You can find my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and help me make it the book to buy when you find out you're pregnant. Just go wherever books are sold, Amazon, Target, your local bookstore, anywhere, and pick up a copy of Common Sense Pregnancy. Also, would you go on over to Spotify, Apple Media, wherever you get Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave me a darn good review. It makes it easier for other women to join this conversation and hear what we have to say. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Sounds Like Music Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk again next week. 
Common Sense Pregnancy Parenting Politics is part of the Parents on Demand Network, a curated collection of podcasts all about pregnancy and parenting. If you like my podcast, you'll probably like Newbies, too. Newbies is another one of POD Network's collection. Give it a listen here. The wait is over and your new baby is here. But it didn't come with an instruction manual. That's why there's Newbies, an audio podcast guiding new mothers through their baby's first year of life. Listen as newly postpartum moms celebrate the excitement of becoming new parents and share the emotional and physical struggles of recovering from childbirth and caring for a newborn baby. Newbies is part of the Parents on Demand Network. Look for our free network app in Apple and Android to discover more great parenting shows and listen to your favorite episodes on the go.